Hi, and welcome to the Your Good News Podcast with me, your host, Katherine Getty. Each Thursday, I'll give you the scoop on the good news coming out of Washington and how you can get involved with this thing called democracy. It is hard to believe we are already entering spooky season this October, but one ghoulish thing isn't happening, a U.S. government shutdown. Thankfully, late last week, right before the fiscal year ended for fiscal year 22 or FY22, the Senate and the House agreed upon a short-term funding bill, also known as a continuing resolution, a CR. So how do we get to this passage and what's next? As I've mentioned for a few weeks, Congress really had until September 30th to address the fiscal year 23 budget. So from October 1, 2022 to September 30th, 2023. And unfortunately, they hadn't landed on a year-long deal. So we kind of got this short-term CR. So how did we get to that CR? Last Tuesday, September 27th, the Senate reached an agreement to fund the government via this vehicle, this continuing resolution through December 16th. And by Thursday, the Senate was already considering the measure and approved the bill with a vote of 72 to 25. This sent the bill back to the House or over to the House that it originated in the Senate, so over to the House, that took it up Friday morning, promptly passing the measure, sending it to the president's desk for signature which he promptly signed. The bill included funding through December 16th, a clean FDA user fee extension, but it ends again on September 16th. So it kind of gives a stopgap measure because like we talked about last week in episode 62, the FDA user fee agreement really helps fund the FDA and helps speed along innovation and reviewing of that innovation. The CR also included additional funds for Ukraine and disaster aid for the water crisis in Mississippi, as well as wildfires across the West, among a few other priorities. So what is next? Well, the focus will turn to that next deadline, as Congress typically does. And that next deadline is that December 16th date, which will yield a moment for those who seek to affect change that didn't get it in that original CR kind of this end-of-year wrap-up. Of note, two key Senate appropriators, those who work to fund the government, so those members of Congress that sit and decide where our tax dollars are spent, are retiring. So Senate Chair Patrick Leahy, a Democrat of Vermont, as well as Senator Richard Shelby, a Republican of Alabama, are both retiring. So there's probably more of an impetus than than most years to get something a little bit bigger pass. So we'll, in the weeks to come, kind of see, we'll read the tea leaves of what's going to be happening and how we are going to fund our government, hopefully through fiscal year 2023, uh, so that that full from December to October. But it will be an interesting time because once we get to December, an election will have happened. So that will change kind of the dice. So stay tuned on what's going to be happening with government funding. All right, for the second half of our episode, political polling. So I wouldn't consider myself a numbers gal, so to speak. Anyone who knows me knows I don't like math. But one of the most fascinating things I learned in grad school was how political polling was created. I think that understanding a poll 
how it's developed, how it can be considered a piece of information, what to call out as problematic can be immensely helpful as we approach the midterms. And you'll see, you'll be inundated with this poll and that poll, but this is helpful information moving beyond. So political polling is a type of public opinion polling. And if it's done right, it is an accurate social science that has strict guidelines on sample size, random selection of participants, and the accepted margin of error. And while gone are the days of straw polls utilized all the time, where folks legitimately randomly ask their folks for opinion, I'll say at the onset, polling is definitely undergoing a change, but it is rooted like I said, in an accurate social science. There are agreed upon metrics and guidelines you should adhere to. And I think that since 2016, polls have been called into question more and more. And overall, while they remain historically accurate, I think the goal of today's episode is to give you more of an understanding of what is a poll and be a smart receiver of that information. So first, how is a poll or survey developed? And what should you be considering when looking at a poll? The mission of political polling is to gauge the political opinion of the entire nation or a district, may it be for a house race or a state, by asking only a small sample of likely voters. And for it to work, for a poll to work, pollsters have to ensure that the sample group accurately represents that larger district, state, nation. So if 50% of the voters are female, then 50% of the sample group needs to be female. I feel like that makes a ton of sense. And the same applies to characteristics like age, race, geographic location, socioeconomic status. To get the sampling right, they'll then utilize random digit dialing. So they will either call cell phones or landlines and ask that person to join the poll. Once a political polling organization has collected responses from a sufficiently random sample, it needs to adjust or weight that sample to match the most recent census data about the sex, age, race, geographical breakdown of the American public. So now we kind of know, okay, they got to get a sample. It needs to be, it needs to match those likely voters. And now that we understand those North Stars for developing a poll, let's look into the fine print I mentioned of how a poll can be used as a part of your decision-making process because polls will always have a margin of error, you know, plus or minus on either side. So if you see plus or minus four, You can say, okay, plus four on the high end or minus four on the low end, which can really tighten up some races. Unlike popular thought, the margin of error really doesn't get to the accuracy of the poll. Rather, it is the statistically proven number based on the sample size. And to put a fine point on this, the larger the sample group, the smaller the margin of error. So for 100 respondents, the margin of error is plus or minus 10. If you have 1,000 respondents, you have a margin of error that's plus or minus three. And oftentimes in political elections, it is either that 1,000 respondents or 1,100 respondents or 400. And I encourage you to look at the bottom of polls because it will really unlock for you and give you some insights of 
How accurate can I trust this poll? While that identifies what statistically the margin of error means, the true margin of error of a political poll, it isn't easy to measure because it could be faulty based on poor analysis. So simple math mistakes. It could also be biased questions. The way you ask a question on polls can really push someone into one or one or another direction. I think we all know this by we've been asked a gotcha question. So looking at that fine print of the margin of error, I'd also encourage you to see if you can find the questions. And I know I'm giving more homework to do, so to speak, about a poll. But if we're really going to understand how polls are a part of the political process, I think we also need to understand kind of what's under the motor, so to speak, or under the hood. So pollsters typically try to develop questions that will not lead the respondents. But I will say that sometimes political groups, so see a Democratic campaign or the Republican National Committee, may ask the same questions multiple ways to try to get a certain response so that they can put a public poll out. That is not out of the realm of possibility. And I think that's kind of where I'm getting at the understanding who's paying for it, understanding what's behind it, understanding those questions, because you can say, oh, well, I I can kind of see this may be leading me towards something, or this is, you know, a Monmouth poll, which is a well-renowned, you know, it's a college that works with partners to make sure that they have really good polls. Those are typically some polls that you can understand a little bit more that they're not going to be leading questions. I won't say one poll is better than another. So what are the takeaways? I think takeaways can be look at the poll size, look at those questions, look at who paid for it. And this will help inform you and give you context. Polls, as I said earlier, are on the whole accurate where the problem becomes or the problem where the problem lies is when it gets to sample size or really skewed questions or asking questions multiple times to try to get an agenda out there. I think now that you have this info, you'll have a bit more um, understanding of what does this poll actually mean? How do I understand the poll was created? How do I understand maybe what that poll was trying to get me to do and using it as a piece of information as you are a informed voter? One great resource I utilized today was the American Association for Public Opinion Research, or AAPOR for short. This is a professional organization of more than 2,000 public opinion and survey research professionals in the U.S. and from around the world with members from academia, media, government, and the nonprofit sector and private industry. I utilized them to kind of get some of this more background, refresher on the political polling, how it stands. And I will share more of that in the show notes. But I want to say thank you again for joining today's episode. It is hard to believe that we are less than 30 days from an election or just a little over 30 days to our next midterm elections. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe so that that weekly dose of Schoolhouse Rock or otherwise known as the Oregon News Podcast will be where you stream leave a review, share with someone you know, reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at Katherine Getty because I'd love to hear your feedback on the episode on what you would like to hear. And as always, tune in next week to another episode of the Oregon News Podcast. <laughs>